This is the Above Average Podcast and you are listening because you want an above average life. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Above Average Podcast, the podcast where we talk to above average people about their above average lives. Now my guest today is someone I've known for a little while. Uh, She is a life coach, a public speaker and a breathwork facilitator, which I'm really excited to find out what on earth that is, uh, who works closely with people's energy, trauma and emotional intelligence. Please welcome to the podcast, Sarah Lowe. How are you doing? Thank you. I am good. Yes, so this is your your first podcast, correct? It is. Yes. How do you feel about it? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm excited. Good, good. Because we've we've talked about it for a little while and Mm -hmm. not been able to make it happen so um yeah looking forward to it yeah amazing so don't worry i haven't got anything that's going to catch you off guard there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing too deep in here oh, well i say that we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll i think see. we might go deep yeah, yeah i think so this is this is probably going to be very much a what someone would call a woo-woo podcast but we'll get into that we'll get yes. into that so first of all one of my favorite things to do with guests is kind of go back to who they used to be because mm. i always find that's a fascinating topic to mm. see how far someone's come so just take me back to sort of your Let's say the teenage years in in school. What were you kind of like back then? What was your sort of your personality? What kind of person were you? Very quiet. And I think looking back, I didn't really fit in. So I grew up in a really small village and mm. went to school, high school in a town. And um, we had like at that time in school, we had three groups. We had the poshies, the chavs and the hippies. That was kind of how cool. everybody was in one of those groups. Yeah. And I had friends in all three groups. And I think I never really knew kind of where I fitted in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so very quiet at school. I was quite academic in the sense that I just did, you know, I, I never used to skive or do anything Yeah, wrong. you just cracked on, yeah. I just got on with it at school. But yeah, looking back, um, I think I was quite intimidated by a lot of people at school. You know, I was I was scared of people who were quite hard and tough. And mm. um, I always just didn't feel like anything made me stand out at school. Mm. And I think as a result, that kind of led to a lot of anxiety yeah which we'll definitely get into definitely um but yeah i was i was quite a quiet quiet child as well Mm. Mm. i love that because i find a lot of people that get into sort of our our area of work they do start off quite anxious they do Mm. start off quite like a reserved child or whatever like yeah it's obviously i I met um your dad didn't i yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and he was really sound so he seemed really nice so was he quite supportive of you growing up yeah like i've honestly had like the most what upbringing you would ever want you know from Mm -hmm. like my parents like and I'm super grateful for that I think one thing that we didn't do as as a family was talk about deep things and emotional Mm. things and I feel like as a child I kind of kept a lot in and felt a bit misunderstood and didn't really know how to express Mm -hmm. I've always been a very curious child Mm -hmm. and I think I've always been really deep from being very young but I didn't know how I express it. And we didn't have those bigger conversations. And that's, you know, absolutely no judgment at all. And I've moved through that as an adult. And yeah. I understand more of our family dynamics. Yeah. Um. But I think now mine and my dad's relationship has deepened so much through the work that I've done. And me being able to communicate, mm. just be me and speak what's on my mind, even if him or my mum don't quite get it. And that's been a, like a big, big step for me in actually, I think you know unconsciously they're probably not aware of the fact that that's deepened our relationship Mm. but it really has but yeah I mean growing up like I had amazing support from them both to kind of live the life that we wanted me my brother and my sister so super grateful it's funny because like you um I don't think I ever had much deep conversations with my parents especially not my dad like not in a bad way but like you do tend to find like the mothers are more Mm. they're more open to that sort of conversation but I think it must be hard, like, I don't have kids, like, it must be hard to talk to kids about deep 
things yeah. like like you don't know when they're ready for it is it the right time well they're going to understand like so i yeah. kind of feel like that is something that you have to as you get all the work on yourself like it has to be something that comes from the self definitely do you know what I mean? and it, it's a generational thing as well when you look back at like our parents generation and their parents generation mm. and how far things have come and how much things have evolved like access to information access to people oh, who yeah. have deep conversations I think then brings it into your awareness that you didn't have that, but you understand um, that that was their generation. It wasn't. It wasn't really a done thing. Yeah. And I think you only come to that awareness when you reflect and back on your own patterns of like why you are the way you are, you know, and like why did I feel misunderstood? Why did I feel like I couldn't always express myself? Mm. I had to have that honest observation of me as a child and as a teenager to kind of come to that awareness. Yeah. Um, did, were, so, you, were yeah. you like bullied in school at all? Did you get no, picked on at all? No, I didn't all? have any any bullying. No, uh, no, 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 getting picked on. So I don't remember. Like, I don't remember like school feeling difficult. Like there yeah. wasn't days that I didn't want to go to school or anything like mm-hmm. that. I just remember it feeling just a bit like I'm not quite sure where I fit in here. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I felt weird. I was a weird kid in school. Yeah. I think <laughs> I had like I said, I, like like you said, you had friends in different groups. I was mm. kind of the same. Like I kind of drifted between people. Mm. Like. But I was kind of, I was a lot of the butt of a lot of people's jokes and stuff like that because I kind of, you know, like imagine, you know, kids, like if you don't understand something that everyone else does, you become a laughing stock because you don't understand something, you didn't get something yeah. or you're stupid. It was kind of like a lot of that happened to me. Like I didn't understand things or I'd be like, a lot of the time I felt like I was too mature for where I was. Mm. I was very much ahead, but I didn't realize. Yeah. So a lot of things I'd find quite like that's a bit strange but everyone else seems to think it's cool so i'm just gonna kind of yeah. that must be what's cool yeah yeah and uh obviously i think it's getting into public speaking and getting into making videos and podcasts and stuff really gave me that voice where i'm like okay well maybe i'm not that stupid maybe it's just i was just on a different wavelength but it's hard as a kid to understand is, that absolutely. you're on a different wavelength yeah, than everyone yeah. else because yeah. you just feel like you're the odd one out oh yeah um and i think also at school i remember you know when we'll probably get into this like i've always been a total people pleaser i've mm-hmm. always wanted to be the good girl yes and i remember even being outside with a brolly when it was raining like in the in the um playground at high like school today <laughs> and given yeah like today and given someone else my brolly so that they didn't get wet mm. and i got wet you know so so there's definitely there was definitely times at school that i just wasn't able to be me mm-hmm. um but I think, you know, that's when you do that reflection work, that's when you actually see, like, how far you have changed as a yeah. teenager. Um, and I think more so than ever, teenagers are probably feeling super confused with who they are. You don't have that sense of identity yet. Mm. You know, I think that's that's something that a lot of us as teenagers don't have. Yeah. And I think that's a natural process. Um, but I think it's also really healthy to reflect on those ages um, because it can be really insightful of, like, why you are the way you are now. Mm. I do love that. I think that's a, well, that's self development journey yeah. and self is discovering who you are. And I think, I think it must be so difficult growing up now, especially with the likes of Instagram and TikTok, where because I grew up, you know, I was I left school in two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. I think that was when I was sixteen. Um, and back then, you only really had Facebook. Yeah. I don't know when Instagram came out. It it probably was there. It might not have been. It wasn't what it is now. Yeah. But we didn't have a lot of that that sort of imagery and, and people that like you said before the information overload i think mm. is what i'm trying to get at is that you didn't have that information overload of you should be this way you should be that way yeah there was a there was stereotypes there always is you know you should be this way like when i was growing up it was uh 
you know muscles and mm-hmm. and uh muscles and makeup was kind of mm. the thing when i was in school now it's now it can be anything do you yeah. know what i mean but yeah. uh it must be harder now because everyone's telling you to be a certain way or be this way definitely um, i kind of preferred it when it was just you're you should be a man with muscles or you should be a woman with makeup do you know what i mean it was kind of like, it was better that way it was easier to yeah. understand <laughs> and i was actually having a similar conversation recently about um i mean i graduated from university in 2005 so it's quite mm. a long time ago but i go to the university gym Mm-hmm. so it's amazing how many like university students are like hammering the gym you mm-hmm. know like the girls are really in shape the lads are big and buff and like I don't remember that at university like <laughs> nobody went to the gym yeah like people just went out and got drunk and were hung over or were going to lectures or like like it but I think that image piece around social media is is putting a lot of pressure on obviously younger kids as well as that kind of early 20 generation mm. um so yeah it's it i definitely think it's a it's a big pressure oh 100 so how does how does who you were compared to who you are now what do you think is the biggest change that you've seen in yourself oh good question um i mean one i don't feel like i live with anxiety anymore mm-hmm. i'm not saying that i don't ever get anxious you know there's times that i might feel slightly anxious if I'm going into a new situation like when I did my first public speaking Mm -hmm. you know I was nervous I was feeling anxious but anxiety is not something that I live with on a daily basis anymore that's a huge thing um and I just feel like I've I've connected with me like I don't see myself as just this human being anymore Mm. like I see myself as being this like multifaceted um expression of of energy who's having this human experience and and I'm really quite comfortable with that mm-hmm. so I think it's like finding my voice not not necessarily finding my voice speaking it out to other people but finding my voice and understanding who I am mm. and like understanding all of the parts of me that I feel really comfortable in my own skin I think like those are the things that have been the biggest shift mm. That was deep. There's people listening to that going, I have no idea what yeah, this Like, what does that mean? But uh, it's interesting, and we'll, we'll definitely t- touch on more of that as well. But uh, going back to more of who you were, mm. um, one of the things that I think will start your story off is when you moved to Dubai. Yeah. You were there for eight years. Um, you came out of a... Would you come out of a relationship and then kind of go away to Dubai? Is that what happened? Or No. So I... Um... I mean, I was in a relationship from being 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. So like that, that's quite significant as well. That yeah. I spent my teenage years in a serious relationship, mm-hmm. you know, my first year at university in a relationship as well. And then I was pretty much single up until I moved away to Dubai. So I moved away in 2012 mm-hmm. and I came back mid 2020, which we'll talk about. But yeah, I went out there. I did, I did have a relationship when I got out um, about two years into Dubai. I was in a relationship for like two years. And then had a relationship, which we'll come to, that was a big catalyst in my own self-development journey. Um, but I just was ready for something different. Mm-hmm. I was excessively partying. Like, we'll probably get in, like, I am a raver and I love to party. Yeah. Like, it's my, it's my medicine. But looking back at that time, sort of like starting from age 22-ish, I did start partying a lot. And when I reflect back, those days of partying were definitely... Um, an escapism mm-hmm. and that's another thing that's kind of evolved I, I'm, I don't do that now to escape I do it from genuine enjoyment yeah and I think I just got to the point that I was just a bit fed up of Newcastle I wanted something <laughs> different to be totally honest I, like I'm I feel feeling you. the same feel with you. the weather today. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I think like why did I move back here <laughs> um no I'm not but yeah I was just ready for something different and a good friend of mine she I actually went 
to I'll tell you how that came about. So yeah, go for it. Um, a girl I grew up with at school who lived in the same village, she moved to Dubai in, I think, 2010 with her husband. He got offered a job over there. So in 2011, she said, why don't you come over on holiday? And I'd, I'd mm. never been anywhere like Dubai. You know, my dad worked in Saudi Arabia back in the 80s. So he had told me stories about the Middle East and um, he said, like, go for it. So I went for nine days and it was just every day was just like a series of just like, wow, wow. You know, mm. like from the infrastructure, like the buildings, you know, the highways are like five lanes wide on each yeah. side of the road. And it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. I had the, the the most epic nine day holiday and I came back and I was just like, I want to move to Dubai and didn't quite know how that was going to happen. And, you know, I believe that I manifested it. And through some friends of friends, I ended up getting offered a job in recruitment, which I'd never done before. Mm-hmm. And off I went um, to Dubai. And a- another friend at the same time got offered to go and work um, for Emirates as cabin crew. Nice. So we moved to Dubai like a month apart. So I had, I had a couple of people that are known, people who felt familiar, which yeah. I think really helps when you move to another country. Oh. Of course, you still find your own friends but initially they had friends that I was able to like go out with and Mm. so that was kind of how it came about it was just this yeah wanting to experience something different now I totally see that I was running I was trying to run away Mm. I was trying to run away from myself you know but that that awareness definitely didn't come until the last couple of years yeah what was it like what was the biggest difference living there because I went when I was uh 18 maybe mm-hmm. something like that and uh i actually i'd heard about it through all these influencer channels everyone's going to dubai and like yeah. it's a and do you know what i had like a good time but i didn't have a great time it wasn't my favorite place in the world yeah. so i'm, I'm curious totally what, you, what your experience of dubai i always was. said like i think it's a bit like marmite like you love it or you hate it mm, i've possibly, got friends right, yeah. who wouldn't even entertain the, the thought of going to visit there mm. you know and i've got other friends who've come and absolutely loved it and i think on the surface, it's such a superficial place. It's very glamorous, as you will have seen. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, it looks I, amazing. I have a proper that. petrol head. So, like, the cars <laughs> for me was just something that I totally loved. Right. Um, and the weather. Like, I love the sunshine. Hmm. I mean, it gets a bit brutal in the summer. So that's where you and me differ, because I, I think I went in, like, August, maybe. Oh, no, and that's like it the was worst like, time. Oh, God, it was horrendous. It was like, <laughs> you, 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 you dealt with the heat when you're out in it, and then, like, Every building's aircon, so it's. I was just like, I just want to, like, I don't care. There's like, I went into this, like, um, like a little shop and bit, and there was just loads of Rolex stores and all the fancy stuff. And mm. I was like, I can't afford this, I'm just here for the aircon, yeah, yeah. And uh, then you walk outside, and it's like the wind's like a hairdryer on full blast, yeah, it, it is. There's not even a reprieve and when you from wear it. glasses, and it gets really humid in oh, sort Christ, of like yeah. August, September time, and then your glasses just steam up. So, yeah, the summer can be quite brutal, but you know, sort of like, I would say, like end of september right through to like april it's just blue sky every day like 28 30 degrees so that for me was just i just yeah. loved that i loved the sun but i mean the biggest change for me really was where i grew up right where i went to school i didn't get to meet anyone from another culture another country mm. like i didn't get to meet um anyone who had a different kind of background yeah and all of a sudden, I found myself in this big multicultural city, you know, working with people from different countries and different religions. And like that for me was such a learning experience. And I think just opened my eyes to so many other ways of living and mm. like acceptance. And so I think that was that was the biggest change was just the fact that it was a huge city, very busy, you know, lots of different. It, it's such, such a, um, I don't know how to say it, like. 
it's such a vibrant place in the sense that it does have so many different backgrounds kind of yeah, merged yeah, yeah. into one. Because only 15% of the population are actually Emiratis from the UAE. So oh, I don't know. So you 85% are expats. Wow. Um, so, yeah, th- there's a lot of different flavors, if you like, um, that bring into Dubai. But mm. when you when you first go there, and certainly when I first moved there, it takes a while to, like, scratch that surface mm. um, and kind of find your friends. It's a very social place. And this is another mis- um, misperception I think people have of it is, like, you can't go out, you can't drink. Like, it's really not like that. It's a very social place. So yeah. amazing bars, clubs, restaurants. So you meet a lot of acquaintances, you know. But I think it takes a while to, like, really find your friends. I mean, I'm quite picky when it comes to my friend group anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so you should be. Yeah. <laughs> so you should be, yeah. yeah. It's with, with Dubai, I was like, I did all the touristy stuff. So we did the, the Burj Khalifa where you look over the edge mm-hmm. and stuff. That's pretty cool. That's, That's a cool. hell of a view. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did the camels through the desert. Okay. And then they give you like dates and like the Arabic coffee, yeah. which is so delicious. Yeah, so did you do like a, like a dune bashing, like a safari? Not, well, no, um, not in the, like the trucks or whatever, uh-huh. but uh, just in the camels. My brother got to ride in the trucks. He didn't want to get back on the camel. He was scared of them. Um, <laughs> sorry, Lewis, just <laughs> pulling you. But uh, yeah, so we did the camels too, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't expect, you don't expect to be so high on a yeah, camel. Yeah, they're really high. Yeah, and it's like, when whoa. they get up, you kind of like... Yeah, you go up four, yeah, four, yeah, don't you? Because they get up by that, don't they? they? It's creepy. What yeah. else did we do? We did the, we did the palm... Um, went to see the Atlantis. I think we had like afternoon tea at the Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Sounds dead posh, but uh, we couldn't afford to stay at the Atlantis. Let's be honest. But uh, then they've got the the is it the world's only six star hotel? Is that the Burj Al It's seven star. Yeah, yeah. My seven bad. Star. The Burj Al Arab, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you have you been there? Or? Yeah. So I took um, the first time that my mum and dad, and my sister came to visit. So that mm-hmm. was like end of 2012. Um, we did afternoon tea there. Like so, it was nice. right up on the top. Like you can imagine, it was just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Like the afternoon tea, like the little thing that all of your sandwiches came out on was like sh- in the shape of the hotel. And wow, I think some of the cakes had like gold leaf on them, and it it, it was quite the experience. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then I I've been to a couple of restaurants there as well for dinner. I've never stayed there, obviously. Yeah, it's good. Quite, <laughs> is that the one where we've got rooms underwater and you can see all the. Stuff going, but uh, is that right? No, I think that's in the Atlantis. Is it? Yeah, yeah. That makes more the sense. The, the name, yeah, the name yeah. of the Atlantis makes yeah. more sense. <laughs> but having said that, I think there might be an underwater restaurant in the Burj Al Arab. That'd be cool. Yeah. Or it could be in both, you know. Um, there's a lot of underwater things going on. It's like it was there. built for influencers, yeah. wasn't it? It's literally like it was built for the gram. That's yeah. what it was built for. Yeah. But it's changed a lot. I mean, when I moved there in 2012, it wasn't really like that. I mm-hmm. mean, it was, it was fancy, but you didn't really have so many of the influencers going mm. there was a lot of um people who'd bought off plan like footballers and stuff who'd bought on the palm yeah who'd bought into property and you know it, there was there was very much a celebrity aspect over there yes but not so much the influencer side that you see now yeah like it kind of puts me off going a little bit now because i want to go to hopefully at the end of the year on holiday mm. And um, yeah, it kind of like. Puts well, you're, me you're off an influencer a now, sorry. Yeah. You're an influencer. Now. You're a public. <laughs> you're a public model. speaker. <laughs> you're a public speaker at a breath of Casilda. You, you, uh, you are, yeah. you are now an influencer. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. So um, before we get into the 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 bulk of what it is that you do, um, you mentioned earlier that you felt like you were running away from yourself. So mm-hmm. can is there a way you could describe what sort of parts you think you were running away from? Was anything specific or was it just? Yeah. So definitely the the partying and that. You know, like I say, that partying every weekend, it was just a distraction from the fact that I just didn't like who I was. Mm-hmm. 
like I felt really I, I didn't let people see this though that's the thing you know like I've I wore this mask almost of just this false bravado mm. that I was okay but like inside I just felt like I was dying mm. like I felt um like I had no self-worth I didn't like what I saw in the mirror you know I had a series of like really toxic relationships I used to chase quite toxic men and I just, I think I thought that like moving somewhere else was going to change everything, you know, but as you come to realize, like if you're relying on something outside of yourself to change, like it's never going to happen. You're always going to come back to that feeling of unfulfillment. And that is ultimately eventually what happened, you know? Um, So I think I was just trying to run away from that insecure girl who didn't know who she was. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate, like, especially going through the drinking and the partying phase, because yeah. it's like a lot of people still do that now. But like you do that in a from a different mm. uh, context. Would you say a different perspective? What's the word? What is the word? A different? It just comes from a different place. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like if I went out now, I I wouldn't get drunk. Yeah. But you know don't get me wrong i still get drunk oh yeah (laughs) fair enough but you but you don't get to the point where maybe you you know it's a need yeah yeah. it's a part of the enjoyment enjoyment. it's an enjoyment and i think um don't don't get me wrong it wasn't that it wasn't an enjoyment back then Mm -hmm. but it was just this this need to do it all of the time yeah and i and i had i didn't have that balance i didn't have you know i didn't i wasn't doing any sort of mindfulness back then Mm -hmm. whereas now i feel like i've got this balance of like body mind and spirit and that includes the party aspect because it's a big thing for me it's something i love to do yes um and actually i'll come to that a bit later on about the spiritual journey and how oh yes we will also people perceive what you should do when you're spiritual Mm. because i think there's a lot of judgment on that party aspect but that's something that I still really embrace because it's part of me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was definitely trying to run away from just not knowing who I was. Um, and I think looking back, being also quite terrified of who I was, mm-hmm. like feeling like I was never going to understand myself, feeling like I was never going to love myself. Mm. I think that's quite a scary realization when you don't know, you, you haven't been given the tools yet or the support of how to change that mm. you feel like that's going to be your permanent reality you know so my only solution was let's move to a different country in the hope that that would change mm. it's interesting because a lot of people do that with um you know like the the phrase is the grass is greener where you water it right yeah but a lot of people do that they, they move houses mm. or they jump ahead in their relationship when really they should be addressing the previous point yeah you know they'll go for the the, the relationship is miserable oh let's yeah, have yeah. a baby let's yeah. get engaged do you know what i mean they try and jump to that next stage when Definitely. it's like if you've got to address that stuff first because it's going to come back further you know as you go forward so yeah definitely not 100 percent agree but um in terms of what we were talking about earlier the uh the woo woo mm. right so let's let's get into the woo woo <laughs> right uh, as much as it is a very nice cocktail yeah uh, what would you class as woo woo would you class what you do as a woo woo uh oh it depends in what context so for some people yes mm-hmm. and i think if someone's never done breath work 100 percent yes people are going to be like mm, i'm not sure if that's for me mm-hmm. don't quite understand it to other people it's not woo woo at all and it's pretty box standard basic <laughs> nervous system regulation Mm -hmm. you know um it's it's quite a standard practice to just maintain your energy levels throughout the day Mm -hmm. have a consistent practice i think and 
woo-woo for them might be something like going and doing ayahuasca or, you know, doing mushrooms and like that exploring that sort of plant medicine, more ceremonial aspect of things. Mm. But to anyone who's not explored breathwork or knows what it is, yeah, Yeah. I can totally see why people would be like, it's woo-woo. Yeah. I think I said to you, didn't I, one one guy that came to a breathwork on Saturday, (laughs) he said to me at the end, I had a feeling these things might be wishy-washy. <laughs> and he was totally proven otherwise. You know, he was blown away and like, can't wait to come back. Um, but yeah, it can be definitely defined as woo-woo. Yeah. Mm. It's funny because like, woo-woo just means so many different things. It does, like, it, it does. You can cover, so, you, you could literally go woo-woo as in, that you just picture like this, this monk-like being yeah. with like a halo and like lights yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> or you can just, or you can just picture like this woman in a yoga costume doing yoga. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it depends on what your interpretation of, of woo yeah. is. But normally it means but I like think a spiritual. Woo-woo or... is like that. What people would say woo-woo is like it. It's something spiritual. And it's something foreign that I don't quite understand what the it what this is. Crazy. It's a little bit out mystical. There. Out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's probably what people would have referred to as like quite hippie-ish. You know. Back yeah. In the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's what what people would say like woo woo is. Yeah, a lot of people get like put off by it, but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of wisdom and experience to be found in mm. trying woo woo stuff because I, I was agree. very as as a I mean I can't speak for all men, but as a man, I very much prefer the approach of you know scientific fact logic yeah uh does this make sense logically yes or no do you know what i mean I, I used to be very much like that obviously i'm a bit more open-minded now but back when i first got into self-development so about 17 the idea of meditation to me just seemed ridiculous mm. like just sitting there like why would i need to be at peace like i need to be doing stuff do you yeah, know what yeah. i mean very action oriented i need to be doing stuff i've got no time to sit around and yeah. you know be with myself like yeah. i don't want to be with myself because self-improvement and taking action means i don't have to be with myself it means yeah. that i can almost run away mm. um so i'm just curious what do you think what was your first experience of the of this sort of culture this woo-woo culture like where mm. did you start with it Okay, and just one thing I want to add actually on that point that you've just mentioned, which is really interesting, is just that, um, and I definitely think it's a societal thing where we feel like we've got to be doing to be productive. But the doing without being mindful Mm. and the doing without having some form of mindfulness, I think often is just doing for the sake of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, oh, I'm going to just do this because I feel like I should be doing something. Mm -hmm. And often that's coming from a place that's not aligned and, and I think that's what leads to burnout, ultimately. Definitely. So it's interesting that you've mentioned that. So my, I'll get into how that this journey kind of started. So fast forward a few years. So went across to Dubai 2012. And, you know, there was definitely some rocky years. It wasn't plain sailing yeah. all of the time. You know, living in a different country definitely comes with its challenges. Living away from your friends and family. I lived on my own. Mm. So I didn't always have someone to rely on or be there to fix things for me yeah um and at the same time that led to me becoming a lot stronger and more resilient but if i fast forward to 2017 i met someone unexpectedly and we fell very quickly in love mm-hmm. um from the minute that i met him it was very clear to me I, although i didn't understand it mm-hmm. that this person it was, like, was going to be yeah. someone in my life it was like instant spark and just this instant like like he was familiar to me and I couldn't mm. explain how I thought, yeah. and basically he was moving away in eight weeks he, he was actually from the UAE so there was a cultural difference and we kind of knew that things might be a bit difficult yes and yeah so we got into a relationship he was actually moving to the UK to for a year um for studying 
and we did long distance we had amazing holidays and so we had this real intense relationship yeah. for how for how short the relationship was it was very intense but we were just like I don't want to say obsessed with each other but it was just like just this intense love and you know I'm not going to get too much into the reasons behind it but there was definitely cultural reasons for why we were not able to be together mm -hmm. that had to do with his family and traditions and so we were kind of forced to break up because of circumstances mm. this is like 2018 and it like absolutely like broke me like to the point that I just couldn't, I just couldn't see life beyond that. Mm. I was just devastated. And because we both had no, you know, one hadn't cheated on the other or anything bad, there was no hate between us. There was no bad feelings. So it was mm. very hard to like separate. Because you didn't want it, but you... Because yeah. we didn't want it, but we were kind of forced into it, mm. which, you know, I now reflect back on that situation very differently. But so I was in this just um, space of just pure darkness is the only way I can explain it, like mm. pure darkness. And I didn't know that at the time, but like I was in what they call the dark night of the soul, which mm. is basically as you start to awaken to your truth of, being more than just this human body and this human experience mm. everything that you ever knew suddenly just doesn't make sense anymore you've got these big questions about life and about structures and systems and the way that things are run in the world and you know you, you really I was just questioning everything and I think at points I felt like I was actually going a bit mental mm. like I really thought that I was like losing my mind a bit and I and I think because we had such a deep soul connection, like I now, I now totally 100% believe that our soul connection was to send me on this awakening. I don't believe we were meant to be together. Mm -hmm. I think it was meant to be a chapter. But I was just in this point that I'd kind of stopped going out. I didn't really want to see anyone. I was just like really low. Yeah. And I think that was um, a combination of all of those years of toxic relationships, of not knowing who I was, this was the catalyst for it all coming together mm. and it was it felt like the biggest rejection for me and that is one of my deepest wounds that I still have to work through is the fear of rejection like it's mm. it, it was such a deep fear for me because I made rejection mean it's something about me that there's something wrong mm. with me and so I was in this yeah just tumbling down the rabbit hole of just like right where does life go from here and somebody told me I think you should go to this breath work. And I was like, what, like, what is it, mm. you know? And it was like, like a shamanic breath workshop. And I decided to go, like something inside me said, go. And I remember I got there and it was like quite a dark room and the facilitator who's a really dear friend now, Walid, you know, one of the most beautiful human beings I've ever met. And as you walked in the door, he hugs everyone. Mm. And the way he hugged me, he just like enveloped me. I'd never felt held like that before. Mm. So straight away, I just felt safe in that space. And, you know, he explains about the breath work. So you're doing quite intense breathing practice for about 50 minutes. And he's drumming and the music's loud. And it was the first time in my life I've heard grown men like screaming mm. and wailing. And that was that was profound to hear that, like to hear what was being let go in that room. Yeah as well as my own emotional release through the breath work. 
But as I start going back, you know, I try to go back once a month for the um, like in-person shamanic breath work. This is before I kind of got into regular breath work. I just received such an incredible um, like downloads of like why that relationship ended the way it did what the purpose of us two coming together was in this lifetime. And I know that might sound so like, what? Um, but I received messages with such clarity that there was no going back from that experience. Like, I couldn't quite explain it because I still, I was still in the early stages of my spiritual journey. Mm. So that still felt really woo-woo for me. You know, it's like, what on earth is happening here? Yeah. Um, but I couldn't, it was real. What I experienced was real and I couldn't unsee it. I couldn't unhear it. And that was kind of when things really started. I mean, I'd started working with a life coach by that point as well. But I think working with the life coach was more what I was consciously aware of. You know, we were working through like mindset, limiting beliefs that I knew about. Mm. But when I started getting into the breath work, into the somatic work, which is where all of your subconscious is, you know, the, the mm. body actually is the subconscious and it's the body that holds the memory. And I think it's the body that holds wisdom and DNA that, that unlocks when you get into these practices of being still. Um, so it, that, that's kind of how it started. Mm. And from there it just continued. And it, it also included, you know, watching a lot of YouTube videos doing a lot of guided meditations. I mean, I prefer, I still see breath work as an active meditation, to be mm, honest. Yeah. And I think when you do a longer breath work journey at the end, you go into a real deep meditation, almost like a, a hypnosis kind of state mm. where you're very, very still, your nervous system comes like into a deep relaxation. So that is still a form of meditation for me. Um, but that was kind of where it, where it started. And it, I, I've never looked back from mm, there, you know? Amazing. It's just continued to deepen and deepen and deepen. Um, and the thing that I love about breath work and, you know, can maybe talk about a little bit about what that is, is like sure. every experience is always different. Yeah. You know, you, you never you quite know in. what you're going to get. And I think that's a really beautiful thing because it keeps it, you know, people don't get bored of it. That's yeah. one thing I love. People don't get bored of doing breath work because it brings different sensations physically emotionally mentally spiritually like there's a lot of different aspects to it yeah it's very it's very intense from what mm. i've seen um one of the things that i wanted to mention was um my sort of just jumping on your experience at my first proper i mean i've done meditation in the past and youtube guided meditations but i'd never really pushed the boat out so much but um have you heard of a youtuber called elliot hulls no no so he was um sort of an early early youtube star i think in the self-development world right and he just used to make uh videos in his his gym his, his garage gym mm -hmm. um and then he moved into uh what he called a grounding camp which was for men only right and it was like a, a meditation retreat i guess you could say is the, is the is the best way to describe it and i thought you know what i've seen these videos i've never done any i like to do at least one amazingly cool thing per year and i was like it's september i haven't done it it was like just before covid i think it's like 2019 and um i went you know what sort of i'm gonna go so i paid like it was like 1500 quid to go to florida on a meditation retreat i was like i really like his videos i'm gonna go and the meditation was nothing like i'd ever experienced before it okay. was um it was based on the osho meditations yeah yeah um so basically one of my favorite one and um, we'd get up like six o'clock in the morning and then we'd go in and we'd do this 
and it was like a lot of breathing through the nose, like rapid mm, intake through the nose. Breath. Yeah, like through the nose and, yeah. you know, you get covered in snot and stuff. Yeah. And then obviously the music's going, that he's walking around with a drum and stuff like, um, mm-hmm. like uh, what was the guy that you did it with? Sorry, I Walid. Thought, Walid. Yeah. Um, like the drums and stuff. And then the second stage was just all out cathartic screaming. Mm. And you imagine you've got like 60 dudes in a room just going, Aah! like scre- some of them were crying, some of them were like just going mental, but the energy in the room is mad and then (laughs) and then after that i think it's um just you just stop like the music just goes calm and you just stand still Mm. right you've got your eyes closed the whole time you don't open your eyes um should have mentioned that earlier um and then the final stage is just a a dance like a calm dance and by then you're you're like knackered but you're so awake yeah it's it was mad and i actually started i actually once i came back from that and um, the lockdown shifted i started teaching my own classes that mm-hmm. um, i've never seen the, the footage of me screaming yeah, in the room the books yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so that yeah. was that was that yeah. um and i just really wanted to bring that home because there was no one that was i could really find that was doing that mm-hmm. um it was actually a guy called rob who who joined mine who did uh, his own um i think he still does it now but it was just the intenseness and people were coming up to us afterwards like i, I started off with guys and then i moved into mix and stuff and they were just like i've never experienced anything like this because there's never a time when you get to scream yeah or like let something out like that like when was like you might have lost your shit in traffic and screamed yeah. and hit your steering wheel yeah but you've never screamed for a good 10 minutes straight yeah never absolutely. and absolutely. the feeling afterwards is, is it's just... unbelievable and actually i was having this conversation this week so the breathwork journeys that i'm doing at the minute the group sessions mm-hmm. a lot of the journeys involve screaming mm. So at the start, when I'm doing like an introduction and explaining to people about what to expect, I, I explain the importance and how, like you say, the, how cathartic screaming is mm. to actually open up your throat chakra and let it out. And I've had a few people who've felt quite um, hesitant about it mm. and said, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to do that. I don't know if I'll be able to scream. And it's so fucking powerful mm. to witness other people scream and at the end to see how much lighter and freer they feel from letting it out. Yes. Because we can't, like you say, we can't just go out in the street and scream. <laughs> yeah, you'd like, be, put, we, you'd be sanctioned, our, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, even if I'm doing breath work in my apartment, I'm conscious of my neighbours if I let out a huge scream because they might be a bit concerned. Like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, like, yeah. do we need to ring the police, you know? Um, so I think when you're in that safe space with, an, with a group of people and you can have that vocal expression, you can let out that rage and that anger, which are all really sacred emotions that we're taught that we shouldn't feel as humans. You know, that's something that I'm like really passionate about is the full spectrum of emotions that we feel mm. and letting them be expressed authentically. But yeah, getting groups, especially groups of men, I think like there's a couple of people I follow on Instagram. I think one's like Sacred Sons or... Yes, yes, yeah, they do the big groups, don't they? And I just love the movements that they've got with men at the minute. Mm. I think it's so needed to get men and to be able to express that anger and that rage and like in a really healthy way. Um, but I think something else that you just touched on there, which is really important, is like that that was a form of meditation. Yes. And people sometimes think like, oh, if I meditate, it means I've got to just sit cross-legged and be silent. Mm-hmm. Like going for a walk in the park can be a meditation. And just simply looking at the trees, just noticing the wind blowing on your face. Like that can get to be a meditation, you know. It's called an active meditation. Yeah, isn't exactly. It? Yeah. I think, you know, me, I'm going raving later. Me being on the dance floor at some point in the club later is a form of meditation for me. Mm. Because meditation, I don't, 
I don't believe that it's about silence in the mind. No. It's not possible, like, you know, unless you're sitting meditating hours and hours a day. And even then, I don't think that's how we're designed to not have thought. Yeah. It's the, it's the practice of non-attachment. Mm. It's the practice of not being attached to what comes up in the mind and just being able to, like, be the observer of it. That, yeah. for me, is what meditation is about. Well, the, the best example I, I've ever heard of how to describe what you just said was imagine you're standing there and there's a washing line going past mm. and on the washing line is attached all these thoughts, all these memories, all these emotions. And rather than what a lot of people do is, is pull each one down as they come mm. down, thinking they've got to follow ones through, you just watch them go mm, by on the washing line. Yeah, just that. watch them float around. And I was like, you know what? That is... Yeah, the best way I c- you could possibly describe that. But yeah. there's also um, I can't remember where I heard this, but uh, you call it thinkitation, mm-hmm. which was because we're so like I mentioned earlier with all the information that we get, we're very bombarded, and most of the time it comes out when we're going to bed. Yeah, and we start when mind starts running because it's the only time we give ourselves the time to think. Yeah, and if you just sat for twenty minutes and just let your brain run, I guarantee you'd sleep a lot better. Just let your brain go through what it needs to. Don't judge it. Just sit and go, well, I don't have to not think. I'm just going to let the thoughts go. I'm going to let them come to me. I'm going to let them cycle through, get out what I need to, go through what I need to, let my brain compartmentalize and then move on. Yeah, definitely. And I think even just at the end of the day, just writing out what's in your mind. You know, mm. like you big journal fan? I, I don't do it very often, I have mm. to say, but I think it can be a really powerful way for people to actually just get out what's in their head Yeah. so that you're just creating a little bit of space. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's one really important thing that I want to share with people is like, don't let meditation put you off because you think that you've got to just be in silence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't need to be like that. You can have music, you can have whatever makes your practice feel good. That's another really important thing. I think with Mm. spiritual practice or any kind of like self care practice where you want it to be consistent to actually support your life. People do things that other people do and they don't enjoy it. And therefore Mm -hmm. it feels like a chore. It feels like, oh, I don't want to do this. It's about making your practice your own and making it feel like nourishing, making it feel exciting, making it feel fun for you. Um, And I think having like a bit of flexibility around that as well. You know, like I know that if I do breath work in the morning, I feel much better for it. I don't do it every morning. I, I can't do it every morning. You know, I, I, I let my body guide me of, of what I'm going to do that day. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also like when you've got those practices, it's being kind to yourself when you maybe don't do it. Yeah. And not being like, oh, shit, I didn't do my breathwork practice. That means yeah. my day is going to be shit. And, yeah. Or that means I'm a bad person. Or, like, well, it's I a think self-help really, junkie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and one thing I've observed, especially kind of this last four or five years being in the self-development world and doing lots of different modalities and being surrounded by a lot of incredible mentors who are doing amazing things. Um, I think you can also get stuck in this like healing cycle where Mm. you constantly think that there's something to fix. Yeah. And that's something you've got to be really like that. That's definitely something I've also got to be very aware of. Like, am I doing another course? Am I doing another certification? Yeah. Am I doing, yeah. Am I doing this breath work? Am I doing this Vipassana retreat? Whatever it is. Am I doing that because I feel like there's something to fix? Or am I doing that because I actually want to do it? Yeah. Um. And, you know, one point I would just love to share is like, there isn't anything to fix. Like, this is the biggest thing that I think we all struggle with is mm-hmm. that we feel at some degree that we're broken. 
But when you can have that awareness of like you are whole and perfect and complete exactly as you are now, that there is nothing to fix, you can still have a desire for growth and like evolution and wanting to change. Like I think that's a beautiful desire and something that I have. But but really being catching yourself in, am I doing this because I think that there's something I need to fix is mm. is something that's really important. Yeah, it's it's very easy to get roped up in, well, this next thing could be the thing that fixes me. This yeah. next thing could be the one that makes me this way or yeah, makes yeah. me this. It's like yeah. the, the the truth is the perfection is the lowest standard, mm. I think, because you're never going to get there. Yeah. And all you end up doing is proactive procrastination, which yeah. is what I think a lot of, you know, you buy this course, you do this course, you, you go on this retreat, you do this, but nothing changes yeah, because yeah. you're just doing things to think it's the next thing like that like it's not gonna like you are good enough is good enough i like to say yeah, right? like yeah. good enough is good enough yeah. like how far do you have to push it mm. like if you want to do these things because they're cool and you want to live a fun life by all means do it but do not do it because you think it's going to f- solve a problem that mm. it's it's not like and i think that comes back to what we chatted about earlier as well is that like relying on something outside of you mm-hmm. to try and make you feel a certain way so like, oh, if I do this next course, I'm going to feel happier. And, you know, same thing, like if I take this promotion, I'm going to feel happier. If I get in this new relationship, it all comes back to the fact that we've got to create our own happiness. Mm-hmm. We've got to create our own sense of fulfillment, yeah. no matter what the environment is around us. And I think it can be really easy to fall into that cycle of like, I call it like the healing hamster wheel mm. of like, you, like you're just, you're just on it. Yeah. You know, and I think there's a, a huge part, piece around that in the self-development world at the minute that a lot of people are probably on that wheel. Mm-hmm. So it's just taking a step back of like, do I really need to do this other course? Or can I actually embody what I've learned so far? Like that's another big piece that's missing at the minute for, I, f- I feel like for quite a few people is like, yeah, you can learn all of these things, but like, are you actually embodying it? Or you putting it mm. into practice, or you putting it into your relationships, or you putting it into your your real life tests, if you like. And are you embodied? Are you embodied in like what you're talking about? Like, do you really genuinely feel it? Um, yeah. Are you congruent with what's you know? Yeah. yeah what's going on? Definitely. We well, one of the things that I always used to love was one of the things I struggled with growing up was um, my ability to socialize. So I wasn't very wasn't very sociable. I could talk when needed, but mm-hmm. like it was very draining. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I started to learn about was when I started going out and I'd, 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 you know, age past 18, I could go out and drink and I'd go out and party and stuff. And one of the things that I relied on for my state was alcohol. Yeah. I like talk about like alcohol puts you in that state. You, you're able to talk more. You're able to be someone totally different. Yeah. Whereas I went through a phase where I went out, you know, four nights a week and didn't drink. Mm-hmm. Just went to the bar, had a shitty pl- uh, plastic cup of, of water. You know what I mean? And practiced what we call drawing state from within. Okay. So it was rather than relying on, like I said, alcohol, external stimuli, it was what state can I create within mm. that I'm then going to give out to the outside world? Because it's like if you if you decided that you wanted to meet someone, right? There's someone at the bar or whatever. Or you just want to have a chat with it. There's this dude. This dude looks interesting. He's got like, I don't know, tattoos or something. You want to be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you draw state from within, you're not bothered about his response. Yeah. Your self-esteem does not rely on their response. Mm. Your night does not rely on how they perceive you or what kind of night they have because they might just be having a shit day and just want to have a drink and not yeah. talk to anyone, you know? Yeah. So it's like you can't control that, but the one thing you can control is the state from within. Mm. So if you are going to create these good vibes, you give out these good vibes, you are, 
you know, a good energy to be around yeah. because you don't rely on everything else to give you that energy, then you're a much better person. Yeah, and down. then you actually become an energetic match for that anyway. You know? Yeah. Like that, I think that's one of the things that people sometimes misunderstand about like manifestation as well is like the desire to have something, whether mm-hmm. it's wealth, a partner, you know, a house, a car, a new job, or, or whether you're desiring like love, you, you've got to be that, that energy first. Yeah. Like to attract that. Yeah. You've got to be that without having that thing. Mm. And then when you can actually find that that energetic state, like what you were doing, like when you can find that like this is me and I'm in this state of like no matter what, even if someone doesn't want to talk to me or whatever, you're gonna be able to feel okay within yourself and yeah. and, and that's a that is a fucking practice though. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, you know, it doesn't come overnight like that's something that I still have to work through, you know, a lot of the time, like, and, and that's that, I think that's one of the things that I, um, talk about a lot is like this, this perfectionism thing, right? It's so easy to be like, oh, well, I've done this work and I'm, I'm all perfect now. Like, no, we're, we're always an evolving, we're, we're, we're always evolving. We're always changing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just always having awareness of self has been one of the biggest things for me. Mm-hmm. Just to be able to like reflect and just contemplate on my day, on my week, on how I've been, how I've shown up in the world, how I've felt internally. But like from a space of non-judgment on myself of like, if I haven't showed up for myself in the best way, mm. it doesn't mean anything. It, but if I, as long as I've got awareness of that, you know, I think, I think that's a game changer in like knowing that there is no goal to reach here like, you know, we're just sometimes we're always chasing something beyond ourselves. Hmm. It's just being more present and being more mindful. Of like, yeah, you're in a state. Like, I love that. I think that's super important. You know, state's one thing that many people don't like look at too much. They yeah. just rely on the how they, the. Well, I mean, state is. I don't know how you describe it. It's 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 like a. It's an energy that you feel, but it's also kind of like how mm. you currently feel, but you're able to control that yeah, rather yeah. than you just like... It's like an inner knowing, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like an inner knowing. Yeah. But it's like, what can you do to, to up your state, up yeah. your vibration, as yeah. we like to say, right? Um, yeah. And that's actually my next point as well. <laughs> so don't skip ahead, Adam. Stop skipping <laughs> the questions. But uh, yeah, actually, let's, you know what, let's get on to that. So the, the vibrational state. So like if someone was to describe a high vibration energy versus a low vibration energy, mm. Um, how would you describe what a, a, let's go with high vibration. How do you describe a high vibration energy person? Someone who is being like truly authentic and feels balanced, mm-hmm. feels stable and feels safe. Now, I think that's different to a lot of people would say, oh, someone who's positive all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone who always sees the glass half full, you know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that a lot of people deem as high vibe. But I really believe that that is quite toxic um, positivity. Mm. I think it gives off this wrong impression that feeling things like sadness and feeling things like anger and rage, like we talked about before, that don't get shared. And feeling like confusion and like they're kind of seen as like negative feelings and negative vibrations. Mm. But I don't think they need to be. Yeah, I don't trust people like that because one little thing can really tip them over because it's it's like they're living like this like, no positivity yeah, yeah. I need to be, having... be positive yeah be positive and, and then like, one like... person will cut them off in traffic and they just blow yeah and it's yeah. like that's not yeah that's not high vibe and and that's that's kind of what's out there in a lot of the content isn't it like just be happy and just be mm. um high vibe and positive and but for me like high vibe is someone who 
understands their own emotional state. So they can have a day where they don't feel so good. Mm. But it's not going to send them into a full-on spiral of like self-sabotage and, you know, anxiety. It's like someone who's got that emotional intelligence for me is like really high vibe. Mm. Um, because they understand the like full spectrum of what it means to be human. Like, yeah. you know, we're yeah. not... We're that not roller coaster that we all, all ride, yeah. Yeah, like it, it doesn't need to be a negative thing when you don't feel full of energy and full mm -hmm. of positivity like fucking hell we live in a hard world yeah <laughs> you know life what I mean? is difficult like, sometimes life's yeah fucking shit sometimes. but it's, it's like one of the biggest things I, I always go back to is the the cooperation versus um like competition mm. like if you always find that you're in competition with other people yeah. you get easily annoyed and triggered by other people's stuff then you probably slip into that low vibration energy yeah whereas if you're more um more willing to work with people you're yeah. more willing to lift people up you're yeah. more willing to help definitely. that's definitely a high vibration state yeah. yeah and things like laughter joy gratitude they're all things that obviously yeah you could spin them into toxic positivity and stuff but for the most part they're good yeah, you know yeah. you show a bit they of are. gratitude for life you show a bit of gratitude for the people yeah. in it you're gonna feel and much i think better. you can also have immense gratitude for the things that at one point you felt weren't good in your life you know like yeah. i look back at that breakup which was like the darkest point of my life and i look back with so much gratitude that that happened mm -hmm. because that's that sent my life on a totally different trajectory like i would not be sitting here now having this conversation with you i would not be facilitating breath work mm -hmm. had i not have been in that dark place so i think yes we might not in the moment we might not be able to feel the gratitude for it but when you stop thinking that things are happening to you and you can kind of switch your mindset that something's happening for you, like things really start to open up and you, you get this other level of awareness, maybe further down the line, of exactly why that happened. Mm. And if you choose not to be a victim and you choose to take personal responsibility for your own shit and the part that you've played in it as well. And I'm not saying that you you always have a part to play or trying to like um, make other people not accountable for it. But when you take responsibility for your inner state mm -hmm. and your reaction and the way that you're going to move beyond the situation, then you eventually do come to this point of gratitude. Yeah, it might not be your fault, but it becomes yeah. your responsibility and your problem. It is, yeah, exactly. Um, like you can choose to be a victim or you can choose to not stay in the suffering and take control of how you feel about it mm -hmm. you know one of the things i love with doing breath work is we quite often come into a space of forgiveness and i think forgiveness is such a deep thing and you know obviously there's things that potentially are unforgivable that happen in this world like no doubt about it but forgiveness is not really about forgiving the other person it's finding forgiveness for you so that you can have inner peace so that you don't carry it for the rest of your life. It's not excusing what someone else has done. It's finding that inner peace so that you're not stuck for the rest of your life holding that, that burden. Mm. And I think that's, again, just a really nice shift to have of like knowing that you're always in control. No one's able to really take control of your life, yeah. you know, which a lot of people let other people's... Yeah opinions things that they did to them they let it ruin them and I, sometimes i meet people like this and i, I know they, they've got to go through it and i know you've got to go through that phase where you you know you hate your ex-partner or you hate your parents or something's happened yeah. you know what i mean like it's just a natural response do you yeah, know what i mean um definitely. but i think and it, i think something that i you know like to talk about is like 
everybody, every one of us, right, is seeing life through our own lens, mm -hmm. which is our own level of perception, our own level of consciousness, our own level of awareness. And that is different for everyone. Yes. I have got no idea, although I might think I know you a little bit, I've got no idea how you see life. Like, and same like you've got no idea how I see life. So it's very easy to look at what somebody else has done in their life and make a judgment or make an assumption that they should have done it a certain way. Mm -hmm. But that person is only acting out of their own level of awareness, consciousness, perception, what they know, environment, belief systems, like there's a lot of elements to it, but we can never ever control that. We have no control over how another person sees life, but mm -hmm. we do have control over how we react to it and how we choose to not place judgment or not place assumptions on people and actually just come to this awareness that they are, most of the time are probably doing the best that they knew how to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't mean that you've got to understand it, but I think it means that you find this like, spaciousness from within to be like i've got no control over that but i do yeah. have control over how it impacts me and what my reaction to it is yeah. and that can be as simple as like getting in your car and driving in traffic you can't control if you're going to get stuck in a traffic jam or if someone's going to be driving like a tit and getting on your nerves <laughs> but you can control your reaction to it yeah you can either choose to go into a state of rage and let it ruin your day and probably you know end up being late for work whatever or you can choose to just be like, okay, this is a bit annoying, but like, am I going to let it like explode into something it doesn't need to be? Yeah. So I think like that that mindset and that shift can be applied to so many different things. It's like responding, not reacting, mm, is the, is the term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that personal accountability and responsibility piece. Yeah. Like radical self responsibility is what I would say. Radical self responsibility. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a TikTok clip right there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I think that's like, it's you are responsible for everything in your life, you're responsible for what changes. And that starts always from within. Um, mm. and, and and that's been a big piece for me. Like, there's no one else to blame, you know, looking at that relationship situation. He's not to blame. His family's not to blame. No one's to blame. What's yeah. the point in me being a victim to that? No, because it's actually led to the most beautiful, unexpected journey these last few years. And yeah. I'm super grateful for it. So I think that we can always reflect back and find gratitude in the in the shit times as well. I think you have to, otherwise I think you're just going to hold on to anger and rage and that doesn't yeah. do anything yeah. for your life moving forward. No, 100% yeah. agree. So um, we touched on it a little bit there, but if we were to sum it up, how would someone go from, say, the low vibration energy of, of, of anger, rage, resentment, guilt, how would they move up to a high vibration in your, mm. in your personal opinion? I think the first step is just awareness that you're in it first. Because like self-assessment. Yeah, I think sometimes if you're feeling like depressed or you're used to being in a chronic state of anxiety, right? That's mm -hmm. all your nervous system knows. Yeah. So to you, that's a normal way to function. I think the first step in being able to actually change is having awareness that you're in that situation. Yes. Because you can be depressed and you can be anxious without even being aware that that's what it is. You know, that, that just is your reality. So I think when you find yourself in that space of awareness of like, okay, like I'm actually feeling depressed and I know that there is a different way to this. You know, mm -hmm. I know that there's something beyond this. That is the first step. So it's acknowledgement and it's 
it's honesty with yourself about where you're at. And then I think the, one of the most important things, especially if you're setting out in this journey and you might not have anyone in your close friends or family network who can be almost like a mentor or someone who's been on that journey, I think it's really important to have a mentor or a coach. Yes. And, Agreed. you know, sometimes blocks might come up around that, around financial investment, etc. And I get that. But there's so many resources on YouTube. You know, before I started working with a life coach, I was watching a lot of mainly videos about finding your purpose in life. But I was watching a lot of content on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it's it's that balance of not getting on that wheel. But it's finding someone who who resonates with you as a mentor. Mm -hmm. someone who you look up to who's even a few steps ahead of where you are right now that you can see potential and possibility for yourself to get there mm -hmm. I think is is key because then that reinforces you might not believe it yet you might not believe that it is totally possible for you but your logical brain has evidence of it it yes. has evidence that there's someone else who's felt the way I felt and they've gone beyond that and they're now doing this and I think when you've got those mentors and those coaches, not just have you got someone to kind of guide you and share their learning and, and almost compound the time of what they did to get there. Like I think that's one of the most beautiful things about having a mentor or a coach. It does compound time mm. because they're teaching you what they learn. And maybe it took them a year to get to that level of awareness. But they're going to teach you that in an eight-week course. I'm not saying you get the full concept of that <laughs> Yeah, but you, like, you understand that in a student bit of time, yeah. But they're helping you avoid some of the things that they maybe did that they would do differently. So there's always that guidance aspect. And then I think that's running those kind of things through your own values, mm -hmm. your own belief systems. Because not, every, not everything that somebody like a mentor or a coach tells you is going to resonate with you yeah. or is the right step for you to take. Like, I don't believe in this five-step process that it, it doesn't apply. Like, we're very different as human beings. Yeah. But I think having that starting point of a mentor or a coach is, like, is key. Yeah. And you don't even have to, like you said, you don't even have to pay, like, loads yeah. for it. Like, I, obviously, Elliot Holes, like I mentioned earlier, was a good mentor to me. I, I took a lot from his strength training videos and a lot of his um, mindset stuff. Um, a lot of uh, stoicism stuff as well, which I found really fascinating and very useful. Mm -hmm. And I only ever met him the once and did his, did that course for that weekend. You know what I mean? And for the but the majority of the years, it was spent on YouTube. Yeah. Like you don't have to pay to go to um, what was it? Is it Date with Destiny? Tony Robbins? Yeah, is that? Yeah. You don't have to pay to do stuff like that. Yeah. You, you, I think you should because I yeah. think it'd be really good. Yeah. But for the most part, you don't have to. You just have to find someone who. YouTube's a great place, like you said, but you've got podcasts now. Yeah. Um, Instagram's fantastic. Like short bits of content on reels and stuff. Just yeah. follow the right kind of people. Definitely. And you're going to get and that I think information. the interesting thing with that is when you start out with free content and you might start applying some of the things you're learning, you will quite quickly start to see change in yourself. Oh, yeah, Like it, it will be quite apparent, especially if you've been in that state of like feeling pretty shit mm -hmm. and you're, you're making changes. And that could be like, it could be physical changes. It could be emotional. Like it, there's so many like mental. Um, but I think as you start going through that and you see the changes, your willingness to want to invest and your desire to invest shifts. Yeah. I mean, I'd like if I think back the last three years, um, five years, I've probably spent close to like thirty grand now mm. on self development. And if you told me that five years ago, I would be like, "What? Like no fucking way am I going to pay that's a mm. lot of money?" I mean, I, that wasn't all in one go. But it's been the best investment I've ever made because it's been investment into me. I can also see where some of those investments were made out of a 
space of lack where I thought like I was lacking something and that was going to give me the answer and that was a big learning point but I think that starting point of just look for resources look for people who can be a mentor Mm -hmm. and start applying and the thing is as you start seeing those changes I think another really important thing is humor yes you've got to be able to fucking laugh at yourself as you go on the self-development journey because you will come across parts of yourself that you've really don't like mm-hmm. <laughs> and at times can be very confronting and can be very uncomfortable to face truths about yourself and and also have this awareness of like behaviors that you've had or patterns that you've had that you didn't see until now it can be yeah. it can be almost like shameful it's a bit cringy like, isn't yeah because yeah, yeah. you're like oh my god how did i not see that and again it's coming back to that we're always acting from the level of consciousness that we have or level of awareness mm-hmm. so my level of consciousness now is very different than what it was five years ago so i can't judge that part of myself but i can laugh uh, i can yeah, laugh yeah, about yeah, yeah. it well it's like when i go through and i remember my first videos that i ever made on youtube which was back in like 2016 and i go back and look now and i'm like what sort of arrogant little prick did you think you were <laughs> the way i'm talking it's so angry and aggressive and unnecessarily harsh uh-huh. but in a way, that's what, that because I think that's what I needed to hear. I needed those harsh words, and I think mm. when I was talking, I was talking very, you know, harsh. I mean, for anyone listening to the podcast, what, go like quite hustly sort of mindset. Stuff, yeah, but just like aggressive mm. for no reason other than maybe it's that's you know, and like cocky and like. I mean, I was uh, well, how old was I when I started? Like nineteen or something. I don't know, but mm. um, I'm twenty seven now, so I'd, I'd like to think I've matured a bit. Yeah. But uh, you know, it was just like, I go back and I'm like, this is cringe. <laughs> Man, I'm like, I hope, I, like, I haven't took them off YouTube. I'm leaving them on because it's like, you know, I want to see the change. I want people, to, if they go back and watch it for whatever reason, yeah, I wanted them to be able to see what, what the evolution was Definitely. like. Cause Definitely. We all like a good nostalgia trip. We all like to see where people have come from. And, yeah. But I go back and I do go, holy yeah. shit, you had some problems and some demons that you needed to work <laughs> out, like 100%. Yeah. And that's where laughter is important to come into it, isn't yeah. it? Like that evolution and being able to look back, but like not take it so seriously. Yeah, like I'd made a video called Be Like Kanye yeah. West. Like, imagine if I said, imagine if I made that video now. Can you imagine? Uh, you like this, 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 this was before the anti-Semitism and absolutely insane uh, rants that he went on. But it was just like that was the kind of stuff that I used to talk about, man. And I'm just now yeah. I'm having a conversation about meditation, and it feels so much better. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. such a better person. Yeah, but then you've had to go on that journey, and and then you see the evolution mm. that you've been through. So. Yeah, I think that laughter piece, and I think also that just non-judgment of like, as you go through this journey, you're not always going to be making progress all of the time. You're not. It's, you know, I always say like, and I can't remember who I heard this from, but like healing, it's not a linear thing. It's not that we heal one part of ourselves and it's never going to come back. You know, we talk about this in breath work as well. Like we, we might have a big emotional release. It doesn't mean that that thing's not going to confront us again. Yeah. So it's coming to this understanding that as you continue to grow and you come to, you come and meet yourself at almost these other levels, mm-hmm. you will still be faced with some of the shit that you've had in your life. You will still be faced with things that will come back. But it's how you, and, and again, that's that embodiment piece. It's how you react to it. It's how you show up with now the level of understanding that you've got. You know, I think that's where you really see your true evolution is how would you have reacted to it two years ago versus how would you react to it now? Mm-hmm. You know, how would you respond to it? Like, those are the kind of measures. It's not about, I think goals are really important and having that bigger vision is important. 
but it's that awareness just in your present day of like how have you shown up that really is or how have you just been in your day or did you you even show up yeah did you even show up yeah and if you didn't no judgment why did you not show up what is it that you may be feeling that you're just not putting light on you know Mm um and I think those moments of like not showing up for yourself, maybe because you have felt a bit of like lower vibe, can be just as insightful as the days that you felt like everything's gone great and you've been productive or you feel like you've you've kind of on track. Yeah. Um, I think awareness of self, it, it, it has to be a part no matter how on track or off track you feel. You've got to be able to contemplate on that. Mm. I think one something about that reminds me of a... It was something about like like an arrow can only be sent far if it's first pulled back. Mm. And I'm like, boom! I love yeah. that. Because yeah, yeah. it's I like you that. think you take a step back. It's like yeah, yeah. you're not failing. You're not no. losing. You're not missing out. No. You need to, to take a step back. You cannot just blunder through and push yeah. through everything. Yeah. Because you're just gonna like you said at the very beginning, you're gonna burn out and you're mm-hmm. gonna get fed up. And you probably that's what people do with them. You know, I'm obviously you go in the gym all the time. Like you're always in the gym and stuff. You'll understand mm. if you go all out in the gym and you change your entire lifestyle straight away to you know I'm gonna go to the gym six days a week. I'm gonna eat chicken rice and broccoli for every meal, and I'm gonna yeah. have protein shakes, and yeah. I'm gonna you know you burn yourself out because it's yeah. too much to take on board yeah. at once. It's you got to do it. Yeah, you got to incrementally. It's no, it's not. not. It's fucking disgusting. It's not enjoyable. Eating yeah. plain chicken and rice. Oh god, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And 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 that that kind of balance aspect, isn't it? And finding habits and things that you actually enjoy yeah because i think there's like not everybody likes to go to the gym you know but you can still be active you can still have physical health improvement by doing other forms of activity so i think it's like really finding what works for you Mm. um and that's an important step in that journey as well of like yeah finding what works for you but finding what you like Mm. and finding what you don't like as well you know you often as you move through that, you might find that you just don't, and this has definitely happened to me, like there's certain friends that I just, I don't resonate with yeah. anymore. And there's certain friends who've just naturally drifted away. We've drifted apart. Yeah. And there was, there's, there's times that I felt really sad about that because they're people I've known and they're, they're people who've played a big part in my life. But yeah, I've come to this awareness that like not everything's going to stay forever. And you know, there's no bad feelings but we just, our energies are not aligned anymore. Yeah. We're not a match. You've moved on. We've moved on. And when you can let let those things go, let people, places, things go that, you know, we become so attached to things. We want to like try and grasp this, like, um, I think detachment of as you evolve, understanding that things are going to leave as well. And and it has to, like, that's the, that is the natural law, isn't it? Like to create space, you've got to be able to let go, like, um, I think that can be quite a freeing concept. Mm, agree, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I think we've kept everyone waiting long enough through this episode. Uh, thank you for waiting, guys. But now it's time to talk about what nine D breath work mm. actually is. Okay. So explain to us all what exactly is breath work. What is the nine D breath work, and how, like, what benefits can it give people? Okay, cool. go. <laughs> so, um, so right. Well, I'll get into like breath work first. I mean, there's so many different modalities of breath work at the minute. Like, majority of people have probably heard about Wim Hof, just mm-hmm. because you know he's made quite a big name for himself, and I think he's had a TV series as well. I don't have a TV, I, think yet, so. So I haven't watched it, but um, so breath work is is nothing more than breath awareness and using your own breath 
to manipulate your nervous system into certain states. I think that's the easiest way to explain it. Good explanation, yeah. So breath work can be anything from two minutes in a day of just simple breath awareness, just noticing how you breathe. You know, like for many of us in society, we believe because the br- our breath just happens automatically, we assume that the body knows how to breathe correctly. But for many of us, we're chronically over-breathing. We've become a society of shallow breathers. We breathe too quickly. Mm. We breathe too often. And that's as a result of, you know, influences from environment, et cetera, the lifestyle that we have, the, the mm. pace of life. You've got me questioning my breath now. I'm more, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I bet there's people listening going, I forgot how to breathe. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? like if you think about a baby, how a baby breathes, a baby breathes like deep into their belly, you know, you really see their bellies rise and that's our natural state of breath. So mm. breath work can be as simple as just observing your breath throughout the day. But obviously these different modalities that have been created and some are shorter practices, some are longer practices are to actually facilitate transformation physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually um, in people's lives. So the breath work that I certified in last year, which is through Breathmasters Academy, set up by Brian Kelly, who lives in Bali. Um, he's also the founder for 9D, which is why I want to talk about his transformational breath work first. Is it's literally conscious connected breathing. So when we're doing these breathwork sessions, we're removing the natural pause of the breath. So when we breathe in naturally, we pause, we breathe out, there's a slight pause. We're mm-hmm. removing that. So we're breathing in a cycle. Okay. So it will look a bit like... So it's a cyclical breath and it, mm-hmm. it, it can be you know fast, slow, depending on the journey that you're on. But using the breath like that, what you're actually doing is activating the nervous system. You're really starting to, to bring some energy and awareness into the body. But when you do these breathing practices for a longer period of time, you're actually reducing oxygen flow to the brain. It gets you a little bit high, doesn't it? You're yeah, sort of, oh. exactly. You're off-gassing a lot of CO2, so there's a lot of sort of gas exchange happening in the body as well. But you really start to get into the subconscious realms. So you, people really start to be able to get into what they're not aware of that is literally controlling their patterns their behaviors all of their automated functions Mm. that's where the stuff that we really need to work on is stored so so breath work can be used for many different things um for me it's a beautiful way to connect spiritually i believe that when we do breath work we're able to tap into other realms of consciousness at least when we get into that kind of subconscious realm at the end and you're able to access clarity wisdom insight that you couldn't get to through this logical part of the brain Mm. that never fucking shuts up Hmm. you know you've got to be able to get into that to actually know and uncover the shit so so yeah so the transformational breath work that brian kelly set up is using the act of breath like that but with a coaching aspect to it so you're really getting the breather to kind of go on a certain journey so each journey may have a specific theme Mm. And you're really taking that breather on a journey with this act of coaching to help them go deeper. Um, and it, it, it's really profound, you know. But then recently he kind of thought, well, how do we make this even more immersive by bringing music and frequency into the equation? Mm. And thus 9D Breathwork was formed and is kind of like really growing at a rapid pace at the minute globally. So 9D Breathwork is almost like a really immersive multi-layered experience so you've got the active breath so Mm -hmm. you're going to be wearing a set of headphones as well um 
you've got the act of breath part, you've got the act of coaching part as well, of someone speaking to you and guiding you and leading you through a specific journey. Are you blindfolded you... as well? Or is... uh, you can wear an eye mask. Right, yeah. Yeah. I always recommend to do that. I think it helps you just come out of the senses and drop a bit deeper in. Nice. But then it's layered with um, 432 hertz music, which is like a beautiful frequency just to bring the body into like rest and like awareness and um, binaural beats, which are super popular even just on YouTube. Yeah. If you watch a binaural beats, you know, they've got millions of views. And then you've got this um, almost like this sort of hypnotic audio. So you've got this music and you've got music as well. So it's moving from like left to right channel. It's very immersive. Mm. It helps the breather really just come into this deeper experience. Um, and some of the sessions that I've done so far have been like mind blowing. The results that people have had, like on Thursday, I did a session and this lady came out and she just said that was life changing. Wow. She had such a deep experience. So, yeah, so it's a new concept. There's no one else doing that at the minute. And they want to try and spread that with as many people in the world as possible. So there's lots of people kind of, you know, doing the facilitator training to take people on these experiences, mm. to get people in to what they're not consciously aware of. And the thing that I love about breathwork versus traditional therapy is traditional therapy, you need to talk about it. You need to go over mm -hmm. what you've experienced. You need to relive your traumas. I don't believe that that's the case. I'm not saying that therapy doesn't play a part. But I think with the breath, when stuff comes up, and it does, people have big emotional release during these sessions. Mm -hmm. You know, like I say, we ask people to scream. You simply just get to let it go with the exhale. You don't need to analyze. You don't need to think about what it is and why it was. You get to let it go. And I think a lot of the time, the stuff that we feel in our bodies, the heaviness, the sadness, the frustration, the confusion is trapped emotion in the body. It's energy, like our emotions are energy. Mm. So when we let that energy move somatically through the body, you start to feel lighter, you know? And if I can have one result for anyone coming out of breath work is for them to just say, I feel a bit lighter. Mm. Like how, how amazing is that? People feel that they often feel a lot more than that. But if, if everybody in the world could just feel a bit lighter, like how yeah. different would things be, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of in a nutshell, um, a little bit about the 90 and breath work. Why is it called night? Like, is it something to do with, <coughs> excuse me, the dim like dimensions of, of the mind and the yeah, body? Well, is that... no, it's just the 9D <coughs> audio. So it's like, it's, I, I don't know if you've ever listened to 8D audio on YouTube. It's, uh, uh, it's to do with the way that sure. the music goes between the, the different left and right channels. Right, okay. And it's like that layered experience. Mm. So there's like different elements, if you like, nine different elements to the to the 9D. Hmm. It's funny that you're obviously a massive raver, but also then that this has the music to do with it. It just plays such a part. It just I love when people's like interests and things just align nicely. It in does. That way. It's it so does. Good. And like obviously very different. Like because I'm a techno head. I love techno music. So you know we're not playing any techno during the ninety audios. Although I have to say some of the transformational breathwork journeys I've done, where I've developed them and developed my own playlist, I do bring a bit of progressive electronic music into them, and it like people always say it's really amazing so i love playing with that music so putting your own spin on it isn't yeah. it as well yeah. Yeah. making it really because i it also run. like to listen to like you know sort of meditation music so i love the fact that music can take you on a journey like that is mm. for me why i love music like it's a journey it's 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 this 
it's been the one consistent thing in my life that has the ability within seconds to just take me to another place, mm. take me on a journey. Um, you know, like even some of the really hard techno that I like, which a lot of my friends don't like, and are like, how do you listen to that? Mm. That still has the ability to take me on this like journey. And that's why I think breath work with music, it, it, it does take people deeper. Yeah. Because the, the music, maybe the lyric evokes some emotion. Or maybe just the, the the frequency of the music evokes some feeling. Like it can be super powerful, and mm. I really believe that like frequency and music is is medicine, is mm. healing. You know, I think that eventually will be the medical system in the future. Music is medicine. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's funny because I, I did a meditation once um, that was really powerful, and it was I, I started to want. I remember it was like a really rainy day, and I needed. Um, not peace, but comfort, I think, mm. was was what I needed. And, and I was getting kind of sick of the meditation tracks and the music. And I, I put on, um, it's going to sound really strange for anyone listening, uh, I put on the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Okay. Right? Like, I think it was like The Return of the King. So have you seen the films? Yeah, have you? yeah, yeah. I, have, I love them. And the music's just so, and it, obviously I grew up with those films and stuff. So when I put the music on, and I remember I like the, the way the music made us feel while I was meditating was so like, Night and I think it's uh, it's like the classic song. It plays like the very end, I think. And um, it's the only film that makes me cry. By the way, Return of the King, only film that makes me cry. Um, you know, um, at the very end where like Aragorn's just been crowned king. Sorry for spoilers, but if you haven't seen the films, <laughs> where the fuck have you been living? He puts the Aragorn gets the crown at the end, and he goes up to all the hobbits, and then they bow to him, and he goes, "My friends, you bow for no one." Yeah, it's yeah. that song. I don't know the name of the song, but it just sends me like like a well up every time. It's mm. the only song that makes me cry, and I'm like. Sometimes you just need that. You do. You know what I mean? So it, it was such a powerful meditation. Yeah, do, yeah, but it was absolutely. such a random soundtrack to choose. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it just, yeah. because it gave us that feeling, it was it was what I needed at the mm. time. So Yeah. But. And that's that other piece around that emotional release. Again, we judge it as it means something bad if we cry. Yeah. Like, we just need to release the energy. Like, crying can be a really healing, beautiful thing to do. And whether that's just sitting on, on your own and letting a piece of a music, like evoke such emotion in you that you want to cry like how how amazing is that to be able to hear something so beautiful that it makes you cry like like just i mean I, we were laughing this morning in our group chat of because we're all going out this afternoon to a, mm. a music event and i was listening to a track um that just it made me feel like i wanted to cry this morning thinking about how excited i am to see everyone this afternoon yeah. like it's it's such an amazing thing to find stuff that evokes your emotion and not feel like it's vulnerable and you know just it's not to, a bad thing to be emotional yeah, it's, it's not, definitely not a bad thing i think us men emotional. struggle with it a lot yeah. i think and we're always told but i think one of the things that i always i always like i don't like it when what men are told to be more emotional yeah i don't like that phrase mm. because i think emotional men are quite dangerous mm. i feel like if you act on impulse and emotion you're quite a dangerous person mm. you're unstable you know you you could cause harm to others as yeah. a man right Whereas a man who's in touch and in control of his emotions is a much better phrase. Mm. Is a much better phrase. And I think that's what a lot of meditation helps you do is it helps you control, um, just from, from my perspective anyway, it helps you control your your thought process, your yeah. your responses to things. You're not as snappy, you're not as angry, mm. you're not as vengeful even. Mm. And you can sort of, it allows you to take a... It's almost like a, a, a time stopper between when something happens and when you have to... Th- you know act upon it yeah it gives you a gap that 
you can take a step back. It's almost like, imagine, um, I know it's really random. You see Bernard's Watch? Did you ever mm-hmm. watch that show? No. <laughs> it was a show you used to watch as a kid. And he used to have a, Bernard's Watch, he used to have a stopwatch, like his grandpa's stopwatch. He used to press it and stop time just for him. Right. It's almost like having that, that ability to stop time and go, what do I need to do here? Mm-hmm. What's the best response? How is this other person feeling? And you can assess all that in like a split second. Yeah. But unless you do meditation, you can't do that. Yeah. I don't think. I think yeah. that gives you almost that superpower level of of uh, a response and mm. an ability to do that. Definitely. And I think the other important thing for both male and female is just allowing yourself to feel your emotion, mm. to not run from it, to not try and distract yourself from it. Because any time that we feel a feeling, an emotion, whether it be something po- like what we would say positive or negative, um. It is, that again is just simply an energy that wants to be felt and acknowledged. Yeah. And I think for, especially for men, they, when you feel an emotion, it's almost that like so vulnerable that you just want to, you want to run from it. Mm-hmm. But allowing yourself just to feel it, like can be a really great way to have more self-awareness of understanding your emotions, of understanding what your trigger points are, of understanding why you might feel a certain way, mm. but then not attaching to it. Yeah. And I really believe that our feelings are just energy that, that need to move. And it's when we don't allow ourselves to feel it, when we distract ourselves from it, and when we suppress it, like that is when stuff starts to really build up from within. And eventually yeah. it comes out like a volcano. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah. I actually have a difficult question for you um, as we start to wrap up this episode. Um, it was something that I thought about when after we got off the phone the other day. And I was, it was about the, the sort of trauma release side of things. Mm. And obviously everyone goes to therapy. We talk about healing and stuff. Like in your personal opinion, do you think after all the work that you've done, after all of the things that you've seen, do you think a person can ever truly heal a trauma? Do you think that's something that's possible to do? Honestly, no. I think, I mean, again, we have like what we would say big, big T trauma. You know, trauma can be, the thing is with trauma, trauma can be absolutely horrific and some of the things that people go through, you wonder how they ever get through that. Mm. But trauma as well, the word, the word can be quite triggering for people, the word trauma. Mm. But a trauma can be as something as simple as a child at school speaking in front of your classmates and you get laughed at. Well, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the mm. worst thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And as a child, that child's fe- trauma is feeling unsafe you know and as a child especially when trauma happens something like that can register as a trauma and manifest in you know fear of public speaking fear of not sharing your voice etc so i think i think the the level or the degree of trauma obviously differs uh, can depend on the answer to that question mm. but i don't believe that the trauma ever leaves and my my belief behind that is that as souls we come into this human body to have experiences i think to a degree we know what trials and adversities we're going to face in life and that's part of our soul evolution yeah which is a concept that i really couldn't get initially because i was like why would anyone choose to go through some of the horrific things that they do in this life but so i don't think the trauma ever leaves but i think people can definitely move to a space of acceptance of their trauma Mm -hmm. and i think people can move to maybe a space of forgiveness about their trauma I think people can move through a space of like not letting it consume them mm-hmm. and not not the trauma's not defining them anymore. But I 
I I don't believe it ever fully goes. No, mm, I think it always remains a part yeah, of someone. Yeah. I think yeah. as much as you can talk about things and and do things to you know move on and stuff, yeah. like, I think it's always it's always gonna because it, it, it again it builds who you are. And if yeah, you that's if it. you don't if if you don't regret who you are, then you can't regret what you've been through. Yeah, and you actually, I mean? if you look at a lot of you know successful people in the world it's quite often a significant trauma mm-hmm. that has then has almost changed their life has redefined them it's it's changed the trajectory of of their entire life yeah so i think there can be you know i'm not not trying to like make trauma like in any way no 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 and that's not what know, we're like, doing um but i think trauma can also be a life-changing thing in a really positive way for someone yeah um, where they've been through something so horrific and managed to get through it that they then maybe want to help other people do the yeah. same. Like, there's so many different ways that I think trauma can either make or break someone. But I think even if you've done all of the self-development, all of the plant medicine journeys, I, I, I think that trauma is always going to be there because it is part of you. Yes. Um, that's my belief anyway on that. No, I, I 100% agree. It's, it's, mm. it's a tough one because you can't... It, like it's not like we're saying you know people's traumas you know live with it kind of thing that's yeah, not that no, you know you, no, you've no. got to do some stuff yeah, do you know yeah, what i mean like definitely. there was there was a show i watched um that, that i was actually obsessed with which is sas who dares wins mm. right and one of the guys on that came on and he was talking to Ant middleton and um i've forgotten his name billy something in it billy i think and um they got they're like so what made you want to come and do you know put yourself through this horrendous ordeal and he was saying um while he was working away he used to work on like oil rigs or something like that, i think it was and um he got a phone call from his wife saying that she was worried about a man who was seen outside the house and stuff and while he was on the phone to her um the guy broke in and had a knife took another knife from the chopping board and killed his wife while he was on the phone and his kids were in the house at the same time. And so he heard it. He heard all this on the phone. Um, and, you know, he heard, his, he heard his daughter trying to wake his wife up and stuff. And it was like, I was just listening going, yeah, what? Like, you, that stuff you hear in films, you know what I mean? And he was just saying, like, look, I had to keep going for the kids. And I've, I've done my work and I'm here to, you know, do this for mm. myself and my kids. And I was like, what? Uh, bloke you know what i mean like for a lot of people that would completely destroy you but it's yeah, like yeah. obviously you know we don't know what else has happened to him, like what he's been through like was he tougher before that do you know what i mean did he have that emotional yeah i mean no matter who you were no matter what you'd been through that would that would destroy you do you know what yeah. i mean but i was just like to be able to you know go through that yeah which is granted one of the worst things you could go through mm. like, it's to, like to, to that turning your pain into your power isn't it yeah, but it was just like listen when you listen to people's stories about what they've been through. So sometimes it puts your shit into perspective. Oh, without <laughs> a doubt, it? honestly, without a doubt, like it's sometimes it's massively humbling, and you think, God, what an ungrateful little bitch I've been. You know, yeah. like <laughs> yeah, like. But but then again, everything's contextual. Like wh- how one person deals with something to how another person. You know, it it it, de- it depends on so many different factors. Yeah. But yeah, it can make you really humbled by the fact that what what some people have been through. And I do really believe it's possible for people to manage their traumas. I really mm-hmm. do, and have release from it, and come to whether it's a, just a mental understanding or a spiritual understanding of it. I, I definitely believe it's possible. Yeah. Um, but I think that trauma becomes is is a part of you. It's just no longer your identity. 
Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a big one is identifying with yeah. your trauma because a lot of people I like one of the, it's it's language as well. Yeah, yeah. As well, it's like my anxiety, yeah, my yeah. depression, yeah. my trauma. It's, it's like, like those labels. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's, but when it's yours, if you say my, yeah, you don't let it go. Yeah, Because yeah. it's mine. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Whereas if you say the yeah. or yeah. you know, or like, if you just simply observe, like I'm feeling yeah. anxious. Not I have anxiety. I'm feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Why am I feeling that way? Instead of just being like, I've got anxiety. Okay, well, you're just re- through your language and I am, because we are, I am. Mm-hmm. Anything that we say after I am is what we're actually basically speaking out into the universe, you know? Yeah. So if you're saying, I have anxiety, I'm anxious all of the time, that's exactly what's coming back to you. Yeah. So you've got to be, yeah, you've got to be really careful with your words as well and being observant of what you're actually speaking out. Yeah. Um, because again, that holds an energetic frequency that comes back to you. So, yeah, words is definitely something we can chat about another time. Yeah, yeah. Be, be aware of the the words that you use, the language that you use, because the it matters. It mm. really, really matters. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Listen, Sarah, this has been an amazing chat. I've thoroughly loved this. Do you know how long we've been going? We did an hour and a half already. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, well, we'll have a short episode. No, it has to go long. But uh, what have you got coming up that you might want to tell people about? What have you got coming up? Where can people find you, et cetera? Um, So Instagram is Expand with Sarah. Mm -hmm. And my website is expandwithsarah.com. All of the details for anyone based in the Northeast who might want to come along to one of the 9D Breathwork sessions. I've currently got two venues that I'm doing sessions at. It's small groups of 12. So they're nice, intimate groups that people can come and join. Um, you can find all details on my website of dates, etc. And yeah, that's because I'm still doing my corporate job at the minute as well, four days a week. So that's still taking up a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyone who's wanting to come to events or follow me on Instagram, I share a lot of, I share some rave content. I share just a bit around just authentic self-expression. Like mm-hmm. I'm a very multifaceted person. I've got lots of different aspects of myself and I try not to hide that. Um, and if you vibe with it, you vibe with it. Amazing. So yeah, expand with Sarah on Instagram. Fantastic, Sarah. Well, thank you very much for listening, guys. As always, please uh, leave us a review if you're on Apple Music or Spotify. Uh, Spotify, it's five stars only. None of this four-star bullshit. I say it every time. Don't be one of those guys that's like, oh, there was a slight bit I didn't agree with, so it's now four stars. It's like, <laughs> just just be nice. Just do a five-star. It takes one second of your day to make mine. So thank you very much for listening, guys, and I'll see you all in the very next episode.